everyone, welcome back to Admission Granted for another episode with your co-hosts. I am Christina. I'm Brittany. And I'm Natalie. Yes, Natalie, welcome. Yes, welcome. Um, we are so happy to have you with us. We're very excited to be working with you. Um, did Me you want to tell everyone about yourself, tell everyone about your journey? Yeah, so um, my name is Natalie Nunez. I am a rising second year medical student here at Upstate. I'm from New York City. And I guess I'm what's considered to be a non-traditional student. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to talk on that a little bit later. But um, do you want to first talk about, like, undergrad? Like, where did you go? And, you know, what was that like? Yeah. um, So I actually went to a couple of different schools. I went to Binghamton University for my freshman year, straight out of high school. And there I had not declared a major. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, took a lot of different classes, had a lot of interests. Like Christine, I was also a theater kid, um, so I did theater in high school. That's why we're friends, Natalie, among <laughs> yes. many reasons. Exactly. And um, I was interested in art, philosophy, chemistry, but I hadn't really zeroed in on what I wanted to major on, so uh, or major in, rather. So I you know, did my first year and decided to take some time off after that to discover what I wanted to do. Oh, okay. Um, and what did you do after? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I moved back to the city. I started working as a restaurant as a server um, mm-hmm. in restaurants and I moved out of home I became independent um, worked on a couple of different artistic projects um, and you know dabbled in a couple of different things that I felt um, you know I was curious about that I mm-hmm. felt helped me develop as a person I worked on a short film um, I actually oh, produced a short really film cool. oh my god it was awesome <laughs> I have to send it to you guys it's actually yeah, really cool yeah, see it. Please do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did that I you know, I got to travel and meet a lot of different people and just working in the restaurants really helped me discover that I love working with people. I love working mm-hmm. as part of a team. Um, I love talking to people and I love being of service. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, I'm sure that we will definitely deep dive into a lot of what you said um, later in the episode. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I do want to address, kind of piggybacking from the last episode, and I love that we've gotten so much good feedback um, on this particular part of the episode, Brittany, um, mm-hmm. from last time. We did d- dive into the idea of imposter syndrome yeah. and what that's like, as particularly as a woman in STEM. And for me, it comes from a different lens also because I am a first-generation college student and the first person in my family to go into medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know how many of those things that I just said are applicable to you, but if you maybe want to talk about your experience with imposter syndrome, if you've ever had that happen to you, and um, kind of just your take on that or things that you've learned to cope with that at all. Yeah, no, I think it's something it's really important to talk about because I do think that it's like a universal feeling. and I think that I definitely came into this program, into, into medical school, a lot more confident. Um, and I was definitely quickly humbled by how difficult, <laughs> how, how difficult this all is. And, you know, I'm just like so impressed by my classmates and everyone else and my professors. Um, so, yeah, imposter syndrome is real. And like you said last episode, Christina, it's it's part of like intrusive thoughts. And I mm. think that's something that's like the most limiting part of it is that they're not real, you know, and I think it's important to stay grounded, um, stay present and find school, I'm sorry, skills and tools to be able to, to do so. Um, and as a woman in STEM, I think that it's a beautiful thing that more women are joining medicine and science in general, Mm -hmm. um, like us. And I think it's really beneficial to everyone 
you know, to have diversity. And I Mm -hmm. feel like that's something that in general society is starting to realize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For a question for both of you, just to kind of keep piggybacking on this idea, because I I think this is a really important conversation to have. Um, Has there been anything that you've learned or any skill that you've learned or maybe it's a thing that you do that helps you to cope with imposter syndrome or kind of keep those intrusive thoughts at bay? Um, Yeah, so how I cope with imposter syndrome, I think I touched on this a little bit, um, but I can definitely re-talk about my experience because everyone has this experience. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, imposter syndrome definitely creeps in a lot. I would say my first two years of graduate school, I definitely struggled a bit. Um, and now I seem to be like coming into my own, you know, like as a researcher. So it only comes once in a while. But the way I cope is, you know, I talk to my friends, you know, like today I just I don't feel like I belong. I feel like I know nothing. And talking to my friends and realizing mm-hmm. that they feel the same, you know, yes. I feel like it definitely helps me understand that. And it also helps that like my lab mates, um, there's one of my lab mates, Mike, he goes, we know nothing. Like he says this all the time. And like, I feel like it really helps me realize like when I do know nothing, there are other people that also feel like we know nothing. That's not yeah. true. Right. I mean, exactly. Sorry. Yeah. Let's clarify so that. Just, uh, yeah, that's yeah. not true. I do know something. Give yeah. me credit where credit is due. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you, Natalie? How do you cope with imposter syndrome? Yeah. Um, like I said, I like to just try to stay grounded. Just, mm. you know, do things. Just remember that there are, so many people that have come before us that have right, blazed the trail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like Upstate actually is like home to the first female physician in the United States um, mm-hmm. and the fourth uh, black female physician in the United States. And we're in good company. You know, I just try to remember that like we have progressed so much in mm-hmm. society. We have a long way to go, mm-hmm. definitely. But um, I think the world is changing for the better in that sense. And um you know, I just try to remind myself that this is normal. This is a normal feeling. Yeah. And also this, if we reframe it, it can actually be a sign of a good thing, right? It could be like, you know, this is, we're in these positions, we're in these places, in these rooms with these people that we can learn so much from. Right. And if we, if we feel like we know everything, if, you know, if we think we know everything or if we, if we think we're the smartest person in the room, that really limits us. Like we're not going to learn as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it can be, you know, viewed as something that like will push us and motivate us to become better i think so too i really like that perspective and i just want to add on like this is going to sound silly but it's really helped me a lot (laughs) um one thing that's helped me this year is every afternoon uh i will go on a walk and i will listen to like (laughs) really like hype like confident music Mm -hmm. and i'll just like get like strut down the street and i'll I'll have like my confident music on and it just makes me feel good like it it relaxes my mind Mm -hmm. it makes me feel grounded maybe i'll like call my mom and i could be you know i could be just doing whatever and my mom would still tell me that i'm like the greatest like she's yes. just my mom yeah. is my hype woman whether oh, that's, that's true cute. or not like she will always tell me that like I'm doing a good job which is so awesome um so yeah, yeah I think finding what works for you finding your routine and mm-hmm. um trying to stick at that yeah I, think is good. I agree sure yeah music is is very healing yes this is the theme of this is turning into the musical episode <laughs> I know right it's so funny that all of us have like dabbled in music like I was a theater kid in high school I tried to dabble in theater in undergrad but it just wasn't my niche um, but like, you know, like you sing and like you're a theater and like, 
you made your own film. Like, we're so yeah, <laughs> clearly school. science and arts hand in hand. For sure. Yeah. Med school podcast is the is like the where the theater kids grow <laughs> up and become doctors and scientists. Yeah. And now yeah. we're on a podcast. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, do you think like that part of your mind kind of kind of transitioning to the extracurriculars um, topic that we I know we had planned on talking today. Do you think that that part of your brain helps you um, as a medical student, like the things that you learned artistically in your life and in your background? Like, how do you think that that has informed your learning now, if it has at all? I know it's a very loaded question. No, it's a great (laughs) question. And I think that um, it's definitely like helped me learn, see things differently. Um, I am I love learning in different ways. I'm a visual learner, but I'm also like, you know, I like to listen to podcasts and just find different ways to to really soak in the information. And I feel like that is part of the creative process, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, just finding different perspectives for things, Um, even like drawing things out. You know, I'm sure you can relate, Christina. Anatomy was, you know, something completely new to me. I'd never taken an an anatomy course. So like I found myself, you know, drawing things out, the brachial plexus Mm -hmm. and things like that. It it really helped. Um, And also just like my experience working in hospitality. Um, You know, I've worked with a lot of creative people and and I feel like you do have to like think on your feet a lot in that industry. And I'm sure there's a lot of other industries that have, you know, prepare you with skills that you can easily translate to medicine. So, um, you know, I love talking to people. I love hearing stories. I love storytelling. That's a huge part of medicine as well. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting that you say that, especially about, like that is one of the the hardest parts I think so far in medical school for me was really finding the way that I learn best. Mm-hmm. And I'm right there with you. I think the, like, so I'm very musical. Like I, like I was saying, I like to sing. I like music. I like all that stuff. So for me, I'm an auditory learner. Mm-hmm. And I know that the way that I learn best is by my ear. So if yeah. I'm in the anatomy lab and someone tells me like the progression of a bunch of different vessels, if I hear it and I'm able to say it back to someone, that's how I learn best. Brittany, do you have anything in your background or any extracurriculars that you've done that you think inform your learning at all? Or like what, what, tell us about your background hmm. in terms of extracurriculars. Um, well, I did take some extracurriculars in um, undergrad. Um, like I was involved in clubs, you know, like biology club, like bio- biochemistry club. Like those were just simple, more like communication skills that I developed, so, like mm-hmm. talking to professors and students. Um, but I think the one thing that like really helped me um, transitioning from like undergrad to research and like even nowadays is that I was a resident assistant in undergrad. And I think that really helped me one, like, break out of the box that I kind of put myself in in high school. Um, Like, I was raised outside of Syracuse. Um, I didn't get a lot of experiences, like, culturally-wise. I wasn't really, like, sure of, um, like, other types of individuals that I would meet. Um, So as an RA, I really kind of broke myself out of that box Um, Got to experience all sorts of different cultures and uh, personality types. And that really did help me, um, I think, build my communication skills and sort of think outside of the box when coming to problems and finding solutions. Um, Yeah, that's really cool. Being an um, RA, I was never one, but I know it's a big responsibility. And I think it definitely helps you grow a lot from from what I've heard. mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah. That's really cool that you did that and got to like meet different people. And like, yeah. it's kind of like you had to manage too, I'm sure, manage different yeah, yeah, personalities. Had, and yeah, there was a lot of a lot of coping skills that I definitely <laughs> developed um, that I definitely use now as, um, you know, as a researcher, as a PhD student, um, sort of, you know, taking a step back and like looking at um, how to solve an issue, how to solve a problem that I have in the lab. Um, yeah. So cool. Thanks. Um, Natalie, so you only talked, uh, you briefly talked about the hospitality work and the restaurant industry. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just wondering if you could talk more about your transition from undergrad at University of Binghamton to medical school and, um, more along the lines of like, why did you want to pursue medicine? And if there was anything, um, during that transition that helped you pursue uh, a career in medicine? Yeah, I'd be happy to tell, um, talk more about that. Um, so, like I said, I, I went to Binghamton for a year. I took a lot of time off to discover what I wanted to do. And um, I kind of faced a fork in the road at one point mm-hmm. in my restaurant um, career. And I you know, was offered like a position to um, be a manager and maybe pursue other avenues um, in that industry of growth. And I didn't really see myself fulfilled Mm -hmm. ultimately. So I spoke to my mom and she recommended that I work as a paraprofessional, which is a teacher's assistant. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I did that for a few years and I worked with uh, children with special needs and um, of all ages. And I was just so, I loved it. I loved it so much. And it really kind of re-sparked my interest in biology and just like the human body in general. Mm -hmm. I, my students faced a lot of different, um, obstacles some of them had uh, behavioral disorders some of them had diabetes and you know everything in between so you know i to be do my best job i researched what they you know what conditions they faced and the pathology behind it mm-hmm. and i just felt like the world expanding around me and i just realized that i can you know do a lot more if i had a degree so i decided to go back to school mm-hmm. and at school um you know, my, my undergraduate college, Lehman College, um, actually has every year an internship fair. So, okay. yeah, so I went, I had my, my resume printed. Um, I wanted to seek some opportunities. So through that, I got an internship at Columbia University. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, what was the internship in, if you don't mind me asking? Absolutely. It was um, in public health research. Oh, okay. So we worked with a, you know, very specific demographic, young adults that were in alternative to sentencing programs. And it was basically... Um, a trial on ways to improve health and reduce risk involving sex and drug use. And I learned so much. Um, So I volunteered for a year, um, just like in the field, doing interviews, gathering data um, in the form of surveys. So we asked very in-depth questions, which I think I'm sure you can you can agree, Christina. This is like very similar to taking a history. You know, like we we asked about sexual. sexual histories, drug use, trauma, you know, basic information on like family, um, living situations and things like that. And it helped me really appreciate like the human condition and Mm -hmm. just like have a deeper reverence for it because we are so resilient, you know, like it's amazing. (laughs) And just also after this pandemic, we're incredibly (laughs) strong. That's one of the things that I think I've realized my first year is just how resilient people are. I mean, people... You know, being in the hospital, even for a short time in my clinicals and whenever I shadow, like I just shadowed this morning, it's it's incredible. Like I have a respect for humanity in, mm-hmm. in the sense that you just 
I don't know. It, the, the body is capable of so many incredible things. <laughs> and it just makes me want to take care of myself all the more because yes. of the just crazy amazingness that's happening every second. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm nerding out right now. Oh, no, but <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. And like, that's why I feel like... Um, this is this career is very rewarding and Brittany like what you do is so incredibly important too (laughs) you know what I mean like you're like curing diseases and Mm -hmm. figuring things out and it's just it's really cool to be part of um yeah we're definitely three peas in a pod here you know kind of working hand in hand to help the um help public health system you know yeah And and I think that the biggest takeaway from our discussion today so far for everyone who's listening is you know, we all come from different backgrounds. You got to hear from myself and Brittany last time talking about our backgrounds and where we come from and our path. I mean, myself, I didn't take any gap years in between undergrad and medical school. Brittany, I don't believe you did either no, from I what I remember. Not, no. Right. So we all come from different places and yet we're all trying to achieve very, very similar goals, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that the point is, is that, you know, there's no normal quote unquote right and I know you can't yes. see my hand right now but I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing quotation marks yeah there's no normal like everyone comes to this place from a different place and that is so cool because now everyone has a different perspective on the kinds of problems that we're trying to solve mm-hmm. and I think that's a beautiful thing so you know one of my extracurricular activities that I did in college was I was a pre-health peer advisor so basically what that meant is I would go and meet with students every week. Students would sign up to to um, hold office hours. I would hold office hours and they would ask me questions and everybody, not everybody, I shouldn't say that, but a lot of students are very, very concerned because, you know, the medical school application process is competitive mm-hmm. and it's not easy to get into medical school. It's very, it's difficult. It's, it's an arduous process, as we all know. Mm-hmm. But I think that the biggest takeaway is like you don't have to be everybody to get Mm -hmm. into medical school. You're not going to have a perfect application. You're not going to, that's impossible. So I think my best advice to people based on this conversation that we've had right now is do what makes you happy. When you're in college, like invest your time in activities that make you happy, that make you the best version of yourself that you can possibly be for you. Because at the end of the day, everyone comes into medical school from a different place and on a different journey. So my best advice is stay true to your journey. If your journey is not sports, if your journey is not research, if your journey is not what what have you, you know, like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. just stay true to yourself. And yes, of course, try to build your resume as much as you're able, but also stay true to yourself in that manner as well, because you don't need to be everybody, just be yourself. Yeah. Yeah, actually, let's touch on that um, gap year in medical school. Mm-hmm. So, Christina, you didn't take a gap year. I did not. Um, but Natalie, you did. So what does that medical, like your first year group, does does it seem 50-50 split that like some of some of the students have taken a few years as a gap year or most of the students actually go s- straight from undergrad to uh, medical school? That's a great question. I wish that I looked up the statistics before mm-hmm. coming here, but I didn't. Um, I would say from what I can tell, and I mean, I don't, I mean, I know people, but I don't know everyone in our class, so I, it's hard to say. Right, but it's like a couple couple hundred yeah kids, it's right? like a, it's over a hundred oh dear god somewhere yeah, around 270 something mm-hmm. yeah. oh my gosh there i was 14 say, in my class fyi really wow. yeah 14 <laughs> yeah well really? that actually stuck it out to like second year yeah wow we were very That's small cool. yeah that is very small wow now when people say i go to a small school i'm gonna say well my friend goes to school with 14 people yeah no. um but no i would say i would say it's probably i would say ballpark what like 60 or 70 percent ish 
you know, of people that I know have taken gap years. Yeah, it's 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 more than I think more than not people do take gap years. Yeah, more often than not. From yeah. what I can tell, this is completely anecdotal. Right. But yeah, and then there's other students um who also have had like entire careers like myself, but like you know, like we have a, a physical therapist in our school in our class, mm-hmm. we have a nurse, we have um, a wow. former PA. A PA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a lot of different um perspectives and I think that we can all really learn from each other, which yeah. is like the best part of it and I think that's like kind of what you were saying earlier Christina um you know if you think you don't fit the mold of what a traditional med student or graduate student or nursing student is like that should not deter you at all Mm -hmm. you know and definitely do things that make you happy for me um I didn't do any like traditional lab research but I did public health research and I feel like Mm -hmm. that prepared me in you know in, in an incredible way and I was also able to to do something that I felt more comfortable doing. I'm definitely interested in doing lab research, but for that that time, I um, felt like it was more true to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, I learned so much. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, in research, like the, in my PhD cohort, um, it definitely was, I wouldn't, it wasn't like, medical school where you said like what like 70 percent of your class is most likely taking took a gap year right Mm -hmm. is that correct yeah um so in my cohort at least my year um i would say there was only like so let's see there was 14 actually it was probably a little higher it's probably more like 17 um people in my class and i think maybe like five or six of them actually took a gap year um, but I know it is becoming way more popular. Um, I have met people who are now in grad school that have taken a gap year and were a technician in a lab mm. um, in academic, like in an academic university. I also know people who did a year in industry. Um, I actually know someone who's a mom, you know, trying to get into grad school. Um, so I feel like most typically people go straight from undergrad to graduate school, at least getting a Ph.D., Mm -hmm. Um, not so much taking a gap year, but I would say to past Brittany, um, that Mm -hmm. from what I've learned from people who have taken a gap year before going to, uh, get their PhD is that a gap year really is, helps build your fundamental research skills, like how to, um, communicate in a lab, how to, um, develop certain lab skills and techniques, um, that I didn't really have coming into, uh, grad school. So going back, I kind of wish like, Brittany, you probably should have taken a year just to like make sure that this is what you wanted to do and that you actually enjoyed this. Um, But yeah, I feel like in um, people who did decide to get a PhD that it's becoming more popular to take a gap year, even though, at least from my experience, most of my cohort went directly from undergrad to graduate school. Mm -hmm. Why do you think for the question for both of you, but mm-hmm. for everyone, um, why do you think that is? Why do you think more and more people are seeking to take a gap year? Like from your perspective, Natalie, what about a gap year do you think was super, um, like what was the draw for you? I mean, I know that you weren't set on medicine before your gap year, but as someone who's taking gap years, like yes. what do you think about it is helpful? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's really helpful to firstly take a break. Um, I really admire anyone who goes straight through. I think mm-hmm. that's incredibly tough. Um, but really to take a break and to um, have some fun, do things for yourself. Um, some people take gap years um, not knowing they want to pursue medicine and then they'll, you know, do like a post back 
and mm-hmm. do all their prereqs and get ready for the MCAT and take the MCAT. And I think that's really cool too because you get a chance to discover, to really affirm to yourself that you want to do medicine because it is a long road and you definitely have to be prepared for it. And um, yeah, I think I think gap years just help you kind of reset and maybe discover you know what what it is that you really want to do at least for me it did all those gap years between my first year and my my second year um also you know in my gap year it it was during covid and i was right yeah so i really wanted to pursue more research and maybe do a little more shadowing and things like that but obviously that wasn't possible and one thing i do have to say i feel like all the schools that I applied to all the medical schools were really understanding of that. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think they really do look at each person as an individual mm-hmm. and they do like the holistic um, perspective um, on their applicants. So I think that's really good to remember too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know like the benefits of me going right from undergrad to graduate school is that like everything was still really fresh for me. Um, and I still had that mindset of like, let's take a test or let's sit down and write an essay. Mm -hmm. Um, so that really helped. Um, and also the reason why the number one reason why I went straight from undergrad to graduate school was because I knew it would take me five or six years to get my PhD. And I was stuck on this idea that like, I didn't want to be graduating by the time I'm like 30 and then like start to settle down. Um, and so that was really the reason why I like went straight in was because I was like, you know what, let's try it out. Let's see if this sticks. And, you know, by the time I get out, I'll only be like 27, 28. You know, I also have time. Um, but yeah, like I said earlier, the cons of going like right into grad school was yeah, I was still naive. You know, I didn't have enough life experience, which like I had to gain while at graduate school, um, you know, making a minimum stipend, which we'll get into into another episode mm-hmm. of like financials yes. but um what yeah. do you think yeah yeah just to, just to piggyback I guess off of what you both said I really like this discussion because I feel like students when I was an advisor in college students would ask me these kinds of questions all the time but mm-hmm. now we can have everyone's perspective as people who <laughs> yes. are different who have yeah. all experienced different things that's really cool but um yeah so I would say for me you know I was set on medicine from a very young age like from when I was in high school I knew I wanted to become a doctor so I went into college with that mindset. I also went to Binghamton. Uh, yes. I went all four <laughs> years, though. But um, I went into college with that mindset of, like, medical school, medical school, medical school. Like, what do I – I need to get into medical school because that was my dream and that's what I wanted to do. But I understand that not everybody has that mindset. In fact, I don't think most people have that mindset. So I would say for anyone who's unsure, one thing that I would think about – um, even though my non-gap year definitely worked for me, I would not have done it any differently. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and I luckily was able to do it with the help of a lot of support. I have a great support system behind me. Um, but if you're unsure and you don't really know, one thing that I would recommend is, you know, one of the biggest challenges for me having not taken a gap year was that I needed to take the MCAT my junior year of college, and it also happened to be the first COVID year in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was unfortunate. Um, that was not mm-hmm. a great not a great road uh, that I was on there for a while. It was really, really tough managing school and a pandemic and the MCAT all at the same time. And adjusting to everything. Yeah, yeah it was that was bananas. Uh, we can get into that in a future episode, I'm <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah, but that was a wild, wild few months. <laughs> but anyway... Um, So I would say, like, if you're considering a gap year, maybe consider taking your MCAT on that gap year because it really is a tough 
study process. It's, it can last up to six months, the study process for the MCAT. So it is mm-hmm. a big time commitment. And again, I'm not trying to scare anyone here. I mean, you know, when you're studying for the MCAT, you have, you know, there's lots of people to learn from and lots of resources at your disposal that we can talk about in future episodes. But definitely consider maybe taking the MCAT on your gap year. And also, I think the biggest resource for me and for anyone is like talk to people, right? Talk yes. talk to people, you know, I think word of mouth mm-hmm. and hearing from people about their stories, whether it's on this podcast or with someone that you know who's been through it also really, really helps. So try to get as many opinions as you possibly can. I use that rule of thumb in like every big decision in my life is <laughs> yeah. try to get everyone's opinion on, <laughs> on the decision and just know that whatever you choose, it's going to be okay. You're going to find your way and you know, it might seem like a scary journey, but it is worth it a hundred percent. So yeah, at least I think so. Totally. I can agree. So what else do we want to touch on today? I know we talked about extracurriculars. We talked about gap years. Oh yeah. I did have uh, one question about gap years in like medical school. So like, I know the podcast mostly focuses on, um, not only the ins and outs of grad school, but also like applying to medical school. So I know we talked about like how many the percentage of your class took a gap year. But I was just wondering if you feel that, um, I guess, Natalie, if you feel that medical school looks at applicants favorably if they take a gap year in a um, like public health field. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think I know what you're asking. And I, um, I think that as long as, you know, whatever it is that you're doing is like aligned with your beliefs mm-hmm. and related to what you want to do and can translate in some way or another. I think that if, as far as my, in my, I'm sorry, in my experience, I think medical schools really value just each person's journey mm-hmm. and what that can bring to the table, you know, what they can share from their experience with their other classmates. Um, how they can translate the, these things into um, clinical skills and things like that. Gotcha. Yeah, because I know from my experience when I talk to like um, people from my class or even people who are in, like in the incoming classes, that um, PhD programs tend to, in my opinion, um, tend to favor applicants who d- do take a gap year is if the gap year is in some sort of research field you know oh. it sort of strengthens your application yeah. if like your grades aren't too great and you decide to take a gap year and you'd go into a lab do some research or be a technician or go in industry I feel like it really strengthens your application um, for PhD that like this is this is driving for you and this is what you want to do and you're ready to dedicate you know the next five six years to PhD school that makes sense. Yeah, I think just to like piggyback on what you guys just both said, I mean, I've never sat on an admission committee and I don't, right, I mean, exactly. I don't know, but from what I can tell, like one thing that I realized this year is like every person on the face of the earth, we all have the same amount of hours in a day, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody gets mm-hmm. more than 24 and no one gets less than 24. Even though sometimes I really do wish yeah. that there were more than 24 I wish hours in a day. Sometimes I could tack <laughs> yeah. on an extra three hours in there to get some paperwork done, but unfortunately, yeah. yeah, or like some sleep or something. I don't know, go to the gym. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I think I think it's like what, whether you take a gap year or not, like you have to invest your time wisely. Whether you're investing your time in undergrad to do research and in undergrad to do clinicals and yada, 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 or you're doing it on your gap year, like you have to invest your time wisely. The way that I would think about it is like, 
if if I was a medical school applicant or I was a graduate school applicant, I would proceed as though in the event that I didn't get into graduate school at the end, I would still be satisfied with the way that I use my time. I love right, that. Right, you still have skills that would apply to exactly. other jobs. That's the way that I would think about it. And like, I mean, I'm not on an admission committee, like don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that from what I would that's that's the way that I would proceed is like, hey, like I'm going to do everything that I can to try and live out my dream and get into the grad school that I want. But in the event that that's not in the cards for me for whatever reason, or I find another passion that I like better, or my life takes mm-hmm. a different turn than expected, I'm going to be satisfied the way, the mm-hmm. way that I spent my time. Yeah. And it's going to look good on a resume, and I'm going to feel good about it, and I'm going to stay true to myself. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Yeah. I, I 100% <laughs> agree with you. And I think also um, in that same vein, I think it's important to do things um, – that, that you like to do, mm-hmm. um, that interest you. And these things really show commitment and dedication. And I think that's something that admissions committees really value also. If you're doing um, things just to check off a box, it, it you know sometimes is noticeable. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you do something for a long period of time, even if you are doing it to check off a box, you know if you do it for long enough and you show commitment and you show interest and you show growth um, and you have something to, sh- to, like stories to share from it, I think it can be incredibly valuable. For sure. Yeah. And you get to learn. You get to learn something. And yes. that's really valuable in, its, in and of itself beyond the admissions lens. Yeah. Yeah. And it can open different doors for you, you know, different um, opportunities. Like when I was starting my internship, I went to the orientation and found out that the hospital affiliated with the school needed um, volunteer interpreters. So I got to do that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I that's actually what really helped me solidify my plan to go to medical school and Mm. pursue this um, career because I worked in um, a neighborhood in New York City, Washington Heights, which is somewhere where I actually partially grew up in. It's a Dominican enclave on Manhattan. And um, I worked at an inpatient psychiatric unit um, volunteering, um, like I said, as an interpreter. And I really got to see how like doctors not only help individuals, but like entire communities, like, you know, from the person to their family, um, And just like helping someone heal is really like helping a lot of other people because, you know, you're helping their families, people that they have to care for. So after doing that, I just decided, you know, there's no other career for me. I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Um, And I'm sure you've both had experiences like that. Have you had experiences, Brittany and Christina, like um, that really affirmed that you wanted to do this? Maybe like as a child or... Yeah, I know I briefly talked about this in the last episode. Like, my dad was a, is a physics teacher also at West Genesee High School, which is a local high school in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. I realized that I didn't really talk about what West Jenny was and that people listening to this podcast wouldn't know where that is. Um, but, yeah, I think just my dad diving me into um, – we would, watch, we would watch the PBS, and they would always have these certain science segments, you know, and he always had me involved in science, and I just always really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, did we talk – did you talk about this uh, last episode? Do you want to touch on it again? Um, I mean, I mean, I can just briefly touch, because I know we're, we're kind of running short on time here, but did mm-hmm. you want to finish your story? Sorry, I don't oh, mean to cut no, you no, off. No, no, no. That story's done. Okay. Yeah. So, like, there's been many things throughout the years, I think, that have reaffirmed that this is – my truest, coolest passion in life uh, is medicine. 
this morning is a perfect example. I got to shadow in surgery and I had a great time. I, I'm not committed to a specialty yet, but I'm using this year as an opportunity to see what's out there and see what I might like. Um, and I think shadowing too, I, I touched on this last time, I think shadowing is a great way to reaffirm your passions. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately in medical school, there's not a whole lot of extra time to, to devote to extracurriculars. You do have time, but you have to use it wisely. I think mm-hmm. that that's a main theme yeah. that I've learned. So briefly, just to kind of wrap up this episode, um, do we want to talk a little bit about what extracurriculars look like here now that we're in graduate school? Yeah, yeah, something that we love to do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can expand on that. Um, so I don't really do any extracurriculars um, like focused on Upstate. I did just join. Um, we have a chapter here. We're trying to develop a chapter here, um, at least with the PhD students. It's called Graduate Women in Science. Um, so we're trying Ooh, to build that chapter here. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's it'll be really influential, especially for the upcoming um, women who are in our um, who will attend graduate school here at Upstate. Um, but other than that, I I just kind of hang out with, you know, my lab and my peers and, um, you know, we go go get food, go get drinks, just chit chat. I mean, I guess my social life is my extracurricular um, because, you know, it's that work life balance. Yes. Um, and, you know, you, you like you said, you don't get a lot of extra time. I feel like it's the same with um, graduate school is you don't you mm-hmm. don't get a lot of extra time. And that extra time I like to put into my friends and especially my family. What about you, Natalie? What are, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I think that's so important to take time off, take breaks, because burnout is real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Um, so, yeah, I like to do that. Um, I'm doing this podcast, which I am already loving. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Um, also, I, I try to find time here and there to volunteer. I like gardening. I like working with my hands. So um, I've done... Um, a little bit of that. Um, there's so many opportunities available, like everywhere in the community, in the hospital. And, you know, I do look forward to, to doing that next year. Mm-hmm. And now that I, you know, have a better study schedule and kind mm-hmm. of know how I learn and things like that, um, I do plan on doing that. But yeah, there's, there was like a, a garbage pickup for Earth Day I got to participate in. Oh, nice. And there's just a lot of cool things on campus. Um, but I do think that like taking time to like make yourself a meal and to like... Mm-hmm. And to try new restaurants on Fridays with Christina. Yes. And, like, <laughs> Brittany, you're always invited. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very important. Very yes, important. Very important. Yeah, yeah, I totally yeah. agree with everything everyone said. Um, I'm also the uh, events coordinator for the Environmental Justice and Sustainability Club. Um, follow awesome. us on Instagram. Uh, oh. We have lots of exciting events coming up, uh, especially this summer and next uh, next semester. Um, I also sing at a church uh, in downtown Syracuse. I love music. I've always loved music. I did choir and I um, took private voice lessons in college. So it's a huge stress relief for me. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and I think, I don't know, some days, this is probably bad to say, but some days, like a few days a semester, I will make it a point to just not do any work for a day and just watch Netflix or watch something mm-hmm. and yeah. hang out with my cat and not think about work because I think everyone needs a reprieve. Yeah, And totally. that's really, really important for everyone listening to this. If you're an undergrad or whatever stage of your career that you are in, it is very, very important to get in the habit of not making excuses to not relax. Does that make sense? I don't know if <laughs> yeah. what I just said makes no, sense. That makes 100%. sense. 100%. Yeah. If yeah. you, like, you have to take time to relax. Don't get in the habit of saying, well, I have to do this. Well, I have to do this. Well, I have to do this. And then just not ever 
taking time to relax. I think that that is a dangerous cycle. Yeah. And it creeps up on you, right? It does. It really creeps up on you because there's always more work to do, especially when you're in medicine. Like there's always, you know, a new thing to learn and there's always a new opportunity to invest your time in something important. And that's great. That's all fine and well. I think that that's part of what makes medicine and science so cool Mm -hmm. is that there is always something to learn and something to do and someone to help. But there needs to come a point at which you say, you know what? I'm going to go get my hair cut or I'm going to go clean my room or I'm going to go spend time with my best friend. I think that Mm -hmm. those things are important as well. And I'm sure we're going to get into that in future episodes too. Yes, we definitely should. I did want to say that, you know, like what we talked about, our extracurriculars associated with Upstate, that really is just like a drop in a lake. Like there are so many things you can do at Upstate. Like there's sports programs. Um, I know one of my friends volunteers as an EMT. Like there's all sorts of clubs, especially with medical school. I feel like I'm getting emails all the time. Like, Hey, come join my club, Mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like there's just so much, um, to do as a medical student or as a graduate student that you can get involved in if you know, if you want to. For sure. I totally agree. Absolutely. And it's such a great, I don't know. There's just so many, like you said, so many different things, so many opportunities, and you do have to manage your your time wisely. But it can be really rewarding to do these things outside yeah. of mm-hmm. school and just to like hang out. Yeah. But you don't need to do everything. I think it's <laughs> yes. it's a it's a quality over quantity type of thing, mm-hmm, sure. right? We only have so many hours in a day, so we have to pick what's the best way to invest those hours. And sometimes the best way to invest those hours is joining a club and leading an event. And sometimes the best way to invest those hours is having a burger and having fun and, yeah. <laughs> and not so worrying. Over the last couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm trying to be extra wise right now. Yeah. Um, but anyway, if there's is there anything else we'd like to address today? Anything else we'd like to chat about? No, I'm 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 really happy with with what we've shared, yeah. and I think that um, our message came across. Yeah, I me think, too. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, everyone, um, tune in, and we're happy to have you here. Yeah. yeah. See you next time. See you next time.